millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Open the pot bay doors now. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the most you ever lost in the politics? Go ahead. Make my day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Black Hole Cinema, although a different Black Hole Cinema this time, because this isn't a traditional episode. Oh, no, we are going off-piste, as they say although I don't know who says it. And this is called Pick a Film, uh, which is a brainwave of mine. I'm Tony Black, host and curator of Black Hole Cinema. With me today is Emma Platt. Hello. My co-host. And uh, if Dan's my left arm, you can be my right arm. Do you want to be left or right arm? I'll be right. Right arm. You can do more. You can do more with the right arm, can't you? Totally. We're doing a new idea, which which is mine, which is called Pick a Film, in which we have asked people we know and ultimately people we know to pick a movie that they want us to talk about and it's as simple as that there is no more caveat to it at all we're going to pick through as much as we can about it so we've watched the movie if it's one we haven't seen in this case it is we will go through the story the casting the production details anything that is basically on the wikipedia page and this is where i'm shamelessly nicking from wiki shuffle hello wiki shuffle award-winning uh, wiki shuffle award-winning wiki shuffle which is harder to say than it sounds we <laughs> trying to say that fast or drunk would be very difficult try it have fun enjoy yourselves so yes we're, we're taking a cue from them and if if you do choose to sue us wiki shuffle no we do this out of love and you know if we do make money out of it one day we'll um We'll cut you in, maybe. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, today we're going to give this a try and we're going to start with a film that was nominated by a good friend of mine and Emma will presumably have friends um, at some point Mm. in her life who she can ask. I don't have friends. Yeah, you've got one. You. (laughs) You're my friend, right, Tony? Apparently apparently so. I am now, apparently. Uh, That's official. You heard it here first. Yeah, my friend who is the nominated picker fill me today because she got in first because me and my friends have a WhatsApp group because we're cool and hip and young and we have a group in which we all talk to each other daily and I said to everybody, throw a film at me and I got about four of them and the first one was from my friend Claire Stanley. So hello Stan, we call her Stan even though she does, she's not, doesn't look like an old man yet. She's getting there. She won't mind me saying that. That sounds awful, but she won't mind me saying that. Uh, So, yes, she picked uh, the film we're going to start off with, which is A Taste of Honey. Oh, stop sulking. I brought you some money. It's taken you a long time to come round to this, hasn't it? What? The famous Mother Love Act. Since I've known, I've not been able to sleep at nights thinking about you. There'll be money every week in the post from now on. Until you forget... You walked out of the door with that man. You didn't give me a second thought. How did you get here, anyway? 
Oh, I'll get you for this, Jeffrey Ingham. What's she trying to run? A back to mother movement? Are you working? No, I told you, she doesn't like people looking at her. Mm. She'd be better off working than living off you like a little bloodsucker. Well, she doesn't live off me. No, we share everything. We're communists, too. That's his influence, I suppose. You get out of it and go back to your fancy man, your husband, or whatever you call it. Oh, I'll give you such a bloody good idea, and that's what you've gone short of. Don't show yourself up for what you are. You couldn't wait, could you? And now look at the mess you've got yourself into. Well, get out of it without your help. Threw yourself at the first man you met. Yes, you're right, I did. You're man-mad. I'm like you. You know what they're calling you round here? A silly little oar. They all know where I got it from, don't they? Oh, you bloody head off! Let me get that. Go on! Stop shouting at each other, will you? Oh, shut up. We enjoy it. A Taste of Honey is a 1961 British film adaptation of the play of the same name by Sheila Delaney. And it's basically about a young girl and we'll talk through the plot a bit more later but it's basically about a young girl who finds herself pregnant with a black child gasp <gasps> shock <gasps> gasp shock horror delaney adapted the screenplay herself aided by the director tony richardson who had previously directed the first production of the play it is an exemplar of a gritty genre of british film that has come to be called kitchen sink realism what do we know about kitchen sink realism emma have we have you come across it before I have, especially in university. There was a film I watched called, I think it was called Kathy Come Home, and it was mm. about like, homelessness, and it had a very, very similar feel to it. I think it's kind of kitchen sink realism. It's very 60s. That's what I always think about anyway. It's, it's very, you know, of that era, and it's mm. always a bit northern. <laughs> yeah. Hey, old duck, all that, you know. Oh, um, God. I sound like Chris Haig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Chris. <laughs> He's going to be you know. so offended. Don't be starting on my Chris. No, I know. No, he's like, you love he's Chris. like my top favourite Chris with Chris Byrne. They go, he's, he, they're your friends. You can claim them as friends now. They're my friends now because yeah. they're not going to argue with me, are they? Exactly. Uh-uh. Tell them, tell them you're, they're, they're your friends. I'm just going to tweet yeah. them, by the way. You're both my friends now. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right, though. It, it does it does tend to be more of a, nor- a northern thing. Let's diversify into the Wikipedia article for Kitchen Sink Realism because I've got a link. Uh, sorry that wanky voice (laughs) kitchen sink realism is a term coined to describe a British cultural movement that developed in the late 1950s and early 1960s so you were absolutely right in theatre art novels film and television plays as I believe Cathy Come Home was whose protagonists usually could be described as angry young men it used a style of social realism which often depicted the domestic situations of working class Britons living in cramped rented accommodation and spending their off hours drinking in grammy pubs to explore social issues and political controversies. Have I been incredibly sort of stereotypical by doing that bit in a northern accent? No, because it's not my accent, so you're all right. I don't give a shit. No, I wouldn't dare. I'll, 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 I'll you do, do it enough I, anyway. I do. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It was more Coronation Street than it was Brookside. So you're it was, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was. Bro, Brookside. That was ba- that was like kitchen sink realism, but twenty years later, wasn't it, Brookside? I, I don't know. I never watched it, and they nearly kicked me out of Liverpool when they found out. Oh, <laughs> you, you're the only person not to have ever seen. We revoke your Scouser card. <laughs> yeah, I, I never ever watched it. Even so. I loved Brookside because my my parents used to watch it because their lives presumably weren't depressing enough. So they used to watch Brookside, which was wonderful because it, it started like a normal soap, and then by the end, it had like a siege. And like you know, like Ken Barlow in Coronation Street has been there for like fifty years, and he's been in yeah. every episode for fifty years. The guy in that was a guy called Jimmy Corkill, 
who uh, I, in, I know Jimmy Corkley. Jimmy Corkley is, and he was in every episode. And I think the last episode that he he hung himself, or or somebody got hung while there was a, a the, while the street was while the street was burning down after a siege or something mad. It right. was mental. I am currently googling Brookside's last Google. episode. <laughs> yeah, Google it. I think I might have combined a few different things there. Or maybe I had a fever dream and combined it with Die Hard. But <laughs> so, it was mental. It was mental. That's how all of us died. Yeah, exactly. Seriously? The films, plays and novels employing kitchen sink realism are set frequently in poorer industrial areas in the north of England and use the rough-hewn speaking accents and slang heard in those regions. The film It Always Rains on Sunday is a precursor of the genre and the John Osborne play Look Back in Anger is thought of as the first of the genre. Now, I would imagine that is the inspiration for Oasis. Don't look back in anger. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that because, like you say, it's very northern, isn't it? As well, mm. like the whole where it's all set. So that's definitely what I got off it as well. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And it says the conventions of the genre has continued into the 2000s, finding expression in such television shows as Coronation Street and EastEnders, and you would say Brookside, absolutely. So kitchen sink realism is what A Taste of Honey is all about, to go back to our topic. And it was also the inspiration behind the song Your Mother Should Know, which is on the 1967 album Magical Mystery Tour by... The Beatles. For a minute, I was not sure that you knew The Beatles either. And I'm starting to wonder if you're actually a scouser and this isn't more one big sham. You cannot go about... 10 feet into the city centre without hitting a statue of John Lennon and having a tourist go, oh my god, do you know the Beatles? And <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not a particularly Beatles, big Beatles fan, so and where I go out on a night out is is kind of right by um, Matthew Street. Yeah. Oh, it's a nightmare! Yeah. So, but I think that's what peppers my opinion of the Beatles, to be honest. Well, what the fuck can wait? I've never met anyone from Liverpool who likes the Beatles. It's 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 like it's, it's it's like people who are from Manchester. Nobody in Manchester supports Manchester United. They they all support Man City. That, that's a whole different story, though. Really, isn't it? Well, yeah. Let's not get into that. Let's not get into yeah, football. Yeah, it's one of those weird things, isn't it? But yeah, your mother should know was taken from a line from the screenplay for it from A Taste of Honey. The film opened on 14 September 1961 at the Leicester Square Theatre in London's West End, and obviously it had been a play of the same name. Uh, as I said earlier, by Sheila Delaney, who was a an English dramatist and screenwriter, best known for A Taste of Honey. She died four years ago, and yeah, it was it was a quite a successful play, which first debuted in May 1958, and it, so it only took three years to get to the to get to the cinema. Well, maybe one of the first plays to be adapted for for the cinema. It might it might have been, or it might be certainly of this type, I'd imagine, because it does it is quite stagey, isn't it? The whole thing. It's very contained. That's mm. what I like thought of it. It's like you've only got a couple of locations, really, so you could definitely see how it would how it worked on the stage. Um, mm. And then, obviously, it's such a small cast as well, mm. so you can definitely see the like the theatrical influences. Absolutely, absolutely. The story of a taste of honey. Anyway, I briefly touched on it before. Let's go into a bit more detail. The story is: uh, Joe is a seventeen-year-old schoolgirl who has now, and I thought now I thought she was older. Possibly because the actress playing her looks older. I thought she uh, was younger. I thought she did, was like 15. You? Yeah. Mm. I don't know why. I think it was because she was still in school. Yeah. And I know back then a lot of girls left school, like 15, 16. Yeah. So I assume she was older. Uh, younger, sorry. I think it could it could go either way. Maybe that they, they did that on purpose, quite possibly, mm. in order to be unsure. But 
She has an abusive 40-year-old alcoholic mother called Helen. And after sustaining a fall at school, Joe meets a black sailor called Jimmy, uh, who invites her onto his ship to attend her grey's knee. Ooh, uh. Ooh, uh. He does a little <laughs> bit more than that in the end. Um, and they soon start a brief relationship, um, after which Jimmy returns to his ship and departs. Now, obviously, this is the big hot potato. Oh, well, there's a lot of hot potatoes in A Taste of Honey, isn't there? So, so, certainly if you if you look at it from the perspective of 1961 or 1958, when the play was on. And this is a big one, isn't it? The race issue. It is, but it's also kind of like, it's not a big issue until the very end. And then it's not like, when Helen finds out that like, the baby's father's black, she just goes, Ugh, and then I need a drink. I would like, mm. there wasn't a big like, outrage about it so even though you can you kind of got this undercurrent of tension but i think that was from a lot of the you know the teenage pregnancy and like um, with jeffrey's character and things and its general setting it wasn't like brought up over and over and over again do you know what i mean mm. so it was it was handled quite differently from what i would expect of something from this era well i think what i thought was interesting was that even though obviously she becomes pregnant and that forms a major chunk of, of the story, uh, certainly the back half of the film. You don't see her give birth. And it's not, it's not about the reaction to the baby, is it? It's, it's, no. it's about the, almost her trying to assert her own independence. And it's, it's really a story about her and Helen and the, the mother of a daughter, yeah. isn't it? More than it anything is. else. It is. It's very circular, I felt. Mm. The way like she's talking in the beginning, like she asks Helen about her father, and you kind of find out that it was like a one afternoon stand. Mm. And Joe, you kind of get the sense that she's trying to escape the situation with a mum, with the situation she's in where she lives, and she's unable to. I think partly through Helen's fault and through her own naivety, she just keeps she's perpetuating this cycle. Mm. I think that's something that's still quite relatable to today because you do get families where. The mother has a child very young, and then this is, I'm not stereotyping people in any way, but you do get these families where there's generations of people who don't work, who have children very mm-hmm. young, and it just it trickles down and down and down, and you can be just a victim of circumstance. And that's what I felt about Joe's situation with the pregnancy. It was just kind of like almost like this was going to happen because of the situation she was in, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I think the the influence of her mother and the the way her mother carries on as they would say back then mm. is also like a more of a subconscious thing because she's not being taught the morals in order to to be no. protected you know to have protection and and things like that when she's with people and even yeah. though she's not like a mother she's she sees her mother carrying on with all these different men and then it's it's that influence in that her mother isn't there to pr- almost protect her from because jimmy's older you know jimmy's visibly like in yeah. in, in his late 20s or at least mm. so he and it's very much you know that when he gets on that ship he's never coming back yeah and that like his character wasn't like he wasn't written like you would think oh you asshole no not at all like, no because because but then when he was like oh put me you know why aren't you wearing a ring i was like why are you doing that like you know you're not coming back and mm. in some ways i felt like a lot of people manipulated joe i felt the other person who wasn't manipulating him was jeffrey yeah she was manipulated in some ways by jimmy because he told her he was going to come back and he knew mm. he wasn't and she's and like you said like she's well you know she's a teenager and he's a much older man mm. what is he doing like mm. hanging around with her like it can't you kind of think oh he's not a bad character but then especially i think 
in 2015 it's a bit nefarious yeah. to us yeah and i don't know if people watching it back then would have thought oh that's a bit weird but us now would be like hang on a minute well, well, back then it would have been that he's black. It would, yeah, it would have been the age thing. Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have been that he's being a creep because he's older. It's it, it, which effectively, even though he's not written like a creep, he is in a way. He, he is. is. Yeah, yeah. It would have been well. He's a black man, and he's yeah. happens, he's having it away with a white woman. Whereas now, it's not that that wouldn't make any difference. Now it would be he's twenty eight and she's still at school, mm. and that that's what's changed. Yeah. And, the relation, I think, the, the relationships with, with between the women and all the men are very interesting in this. With relations between Joe and her mother become strained when their mother meets and marries a new man, Peter Smith. Peter. Now, he for me was a, was a classic example of like the establishment classic northern bloke of the era, and spe- and that guy he still exists in many respects. It's probably certainly up, you know, in certain parts of the country. But then, I mean, the first time we see him, he, he pinches a woman's ass like who he works with and she goes oh yeah. get away with you you beggar whereas now that's that would be like well, not, you would be like in court you know it's it's just not acceptable yeah. for that now whereas back then it was oh you know that and the little it's very carry on isn't it like, yeah that yeah. kind of behavior yeah i mean he was, he was a he was a creep yeah and he's just a nasty piece of work and like you said he is very typical like Oh, I want a drink. I want a drink. And like, oh, where's my shirt? Where's my dinner? Like yeah. that kind of thing. And you do see that. Like my my grandfather, my mother's father, who's no longer with us, mm. was very much like that. He was according to stories my mum's told me he was very domineering. Like he went down the pub every night after work, and he came home and he expected tea to be on the table and all that kind of thing. And my mum was mm. born in fifty seven, mm. and even my my other grandfather who's still alive, my dad said he was. He went down the pub every day after he was a, a mason, a stonemason, my granddad. Mm. He walked he worked with his hands and he went to the pub and he did the pools on a Saturday. And both the difference between those two relationships was is that my nan was in charge of my dad's family. Whereas yeah. my granddad was in charge of my mother's family. Uh, that's interesting. Even like um up until a couple of years ago, my granddad my granddad Tommy was still going to the pub where he's mm. drank for like 60 years and still drinking with the same yeah. fellas who did the same job and the bartender knew the same drink so it's like you said these people it's, I think it is especially up north that they're still there but it's funny to see like the change in attitudes between how some people of that era have grown yeah. to accept the times like when my granddad found out my cousin was pregnant at the same time as me my nan was furious because she wasn't married and my granddad was like oh that was doesn't it girl you know it's not a big deal <laughs> you know, he oh, just does. head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the acclaimed movie all of us strangers starring paul muscal and andrew scott stream the new hulu original limited series we were the lucky ones with joey king and logan lerman and don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, like it's yes, just sir. a norm. I, th- I think that, that whole thing of, of the, the, the men being, you know, t- traditionally sort of male and, you know, the woman has their place, the man has his role, the man, you know, that's something that in the older generation and now, I mean, the character of Peter now would be about 80, you know, yeah. if he was still alive so he would be one of those old guys now who is you know on his last legs but he's still going down and he's got his his tankard at his pub he's been going to for years and he would have remembered yeah. the days when when that was all the norm because all the men yeah. worked in the in factories or they worked down mines or pits and all this stuff mm. whereas now obviously people they did do the same job for 20 30 years they did have that same pro- very provincial life in these very industrial places especially up north with in the main cities and birmingham midlands where i'm from is, was similar um because it was the birthplace of industry so from the midlands up especially you had a lot more of that and you obviously in parts of london but you know what i mean in those yeah. areas so there was that very traditionalist kind of thing but yeah when she is rejected by mother joe starts starts a job in a shoe shop and she rents a flat on her own and asserts her independence and that's when she meets uh, who turns out to be a gay textile designer called Jeffrey Ingham who you've mentioned before and she invites him to move in with her I thought that their relationship was very nicely done it was and he wasn't like overtly camp no. like I like I knew looking at it and knowing when this film was made that he was gay because yeah. of the way he was but it was interesting when Peter called him a Pollyanna do you know and like yeah, the yeah. when um, Helen comes in and she's like you'll come live with us it was very I thought their relationship, it was so sweet and it was kind of mm. like they were playing house but they were helping each other and you get the sense that he really cared for her because when she said, I'm having a baby, he kind of went, well, I thought you might be. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was so sweet and it kind of was like, I'm helping you and you're helping me but at the same time, we're only giving each other what the other person needs. We're not taking... Do you know what I mean? Not like with um, with Helen and Peter where it kind of seemed like he was taken, taken, taken from her. They had yeah. a really nicely balanced relationship. and Yeah. But I became frustrated with his character when Helen showed up on the scene because I felt like Joe really needed him a lot more than she needed a mother. But she couldn't see that because well, she's kind of stuck in this this kind of really strange relationship with her mum. Yeah, this dysfunctional thing. Well, it, it's, you know, when Jeff... When she does, when she does find out she's pregnant with Jimmy, Jeff's supportive, and he, I mean, at one point he even offers to marry her. And the quote is that you need somebody to love you while you're looking for somebody to love, which is a really nice line. And it's it's the whole indication of the fact that to some extent Jeff knew Jeff couldn't be who he wanted to be in that world because obviously homosexuality was was still a, a, an offence back then. It was, I think, it was the mid '60s when they passed the section, the Section 18 law. I think it was something. I think that was what it was, or it was Section something where homosexuality wasn't criminal. But then, I'm pretty sure it still was. Hang on, and, a I'm going to double check that. Yes, do do the wiki, do the wiki I'm bit. Doing on that. The wiki. Section I'm, 18 is to do with GBH. It's not Section 18 then. Um, section 8 is the Housing Act. 
It's not <laughs> Section 8. Where, where have I got them from? GBH and Housing. Yeah. Sexual Offence Act of 1967. Ah. It decriminalised homosexual acts in private between two men, but it was only up until the age... 21 was the age of consent back for homosexual acts. Right. Then, which is, frankly, absurd. It wasn't amended to 2003. Yeah. Well, well done, Britain. Slow yeah. for you. Yes. And we're still only just getting our heads around gay marriage and all these things. So there's still a could long way to worse. go. Could be worse. We could be Alabama. Yeah, or Russia. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, could be. Um, we have we have made some strides, and now the next the next battle. And you know, just as an aside, I work um, part of my job is working with LGBT people, and the big next step is the classifications of homosexuality because it's not just gay and lesbian anymore. It's queer, it's genderqueer, it's trans, it's all the kinds of things. Pansexual and asexual. And yeah. Even I, I don't understand. I, I really, I, 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 I struggle. to. I mean, I try and understand, don't get me wrong. I'm not like, oh, I don't understand this. I'm not going to look into it. But yeah. I think it's so, it, the world is so different, especially in mm. that sense, to like 10 years ago. But yeah, Jeff, going back to A Taste of Honey, is the, the classic gay man who can't be himself and he can't admit he's gay. So when he offers to marry Joe, it's that whole kind of almost trying to fit the societal norm, which he'll never quite be, you know, and he's trying to trying to be that, that person that he's not really, but he's trying to do the best by her and fit that box. And what what the film never really does is, is it very much alludes to the gay thing. Mm. it doesn't necessarily hit it head on all the time and that's something that it doesn't do with the racism either it's all bubbling underneath and so by the time like you say Helen comes back after Peter turns out to be a drunk it's the whole thing of like you said that their relationship is just eternally dysfunctional and will keep circling round because she, she will go off and find another man and be a floozy again Joe will end up raising that kid a lot on her own so really it's that cycle that will repeat and it would yeah. probably would probably potentially end up repeating with Joe and her child because Joe could well become a mother, and it's that interesting idea that people who are in this, I think, in this kitchen sink as they call it, world, are doomed to repeat each other's mistakes, and exactly. the generational cycle will continue, which is what you've seen in a lot of in a lot of communities that have yeah. come from big cities that you've got third or fourth generation dole families, and a lot of them, you know, they 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 moved to wherever they were at around this time. And yeah. that's where it all began, quite often. Yeah, I mean, you like you had to go where the work was. Yeah, essentially, and like you said about the generational thing, Joe is doomed to repeat the mistakes her mother's made because her mother doesn't mm. understand that she's made mistakes. I got the sense that she was like Joe was so disposable to it. Like it really pissed me off when she was like, "I'm going on a honeymoon. You'll be alright, won't you? I'll see mm. you when I see you." Like she doesn't give a shit about her, mm. and it it was really quite upsetting. So she hasn't prepared Joe for a life as a mother. Because Joe doesn't know what that means because she's never had a mother. Like she talks mm. about at one point when she she used to she doesn't even call her mum. She calls her Helen for a start. Yeah. She talks about every time I went to hold her hand, she just pull away. She had no affection off this woman, so no wonder she went searching for affection from somewhere else, which is probably what Helen did. So like mm. you said, it's just you get this sense it's just going to carry on and carry on and carry on and carry on. Helen is like she's a very typical hard faced character, you know. Like, I think the kind of... The type of character you see in a lot of these dramas, like, she's... I had the sense that, even if there'd been a father, she was a very typical matriarch, if you know what I mean. She was very hard-faced, but without that lack of affection yeah. for her child. Yeah. But I also think that's very typical of Northern women. Like, my 
my nanny Alice was very much in charge of that family mm. and my mum was very much in charge of our family and when I was in a proper family I was in charge of that family and I think it, it that, I think that is quite a northern thing but obviously she had no choice because she was a single mother but she's a shit single mother yeah, she brings shame selfish. on the rest of us <laughs> she's a very selfish woman who yeah he's, he's kind of mm. rejecting what what the role she should be playing and that that in itself is controversial the whole promiscuity thing itself is controversial to an extent because films of that era they just didn't do that kind of thing a lot of the time they didn't go there that was all going on but the films back then you yeah know, com- comedies were very much you know very safe dirt bogard middle class oh there's a doctor in the house kind of things or and dramas themselves were things like police dramas that were that were very they were real but they were they this kind of stuff this to the, uh, what that would day would have been edgy just didn't mm. it didn't happen and that's why these kind of films tame as they may seem now you can see from a historical point of view how much they would have struck a chord and they still they're still relevant now a lot of the issues that are on the table yeah. are still there they've just changed yeah. they've just evolved mm. it's interesting you say about how controversial it was at the time because the Hayes code was still in effect I mean, mm. the studio dropped. I think it was it stopped being strictly in force. I might be getting this wrong. Sometime around about the Paramount decree, which I think was nineteen forty-eight, but I can check in a minute. Mm. But it was still being used, and you still had the stars in the studio system still had a morality clause in their contract, mm. meaning if you have an affair, we can fire you. So, yeah, it's like you said to us. It was a bit tame, like, oh, so what? She's she's pregnant with a black child, so what? He's mm. gay. But back then, it was like, oh my god, she's pregnant with yeah. a black child. Like it, mm. it, it's it's very like I keep saying, it's just it's one of it's a perfect slice of history, isn't it? Yeah. It's not it's not a classic film, I don't think. No, but no, I think neither. that era, it's so it's a snapshot of life. Yeah. For a large majority of people in a certain area, in a certain country, at a certain time, it's a piece of history, like social Definitely. history. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I think that one of the reasons that Stan, my friend, loves it so much, and she, we've talked briefly about this, is that the dialogue that they speak is very... There are pauses, there are, there's a lot of appropriisms, there was, there's a lot of slang. There's a lot of things that, again, are very much true to real life. So it, it doesn't feel... It feels lesser a movie in itself and a, and a, and a, and a piece of drama as, as, as a slice of life, not a documentary... But at the same time, yeah. you, you could be looking in on someone's life and the rhythms and cadences of the way they spoke and the, the naturalism to it. It's very naturalistic. I mean, the play itself, I imagine, when performed, is quite naturalistic. It has that sense of that this is real. And all those people who would have gone to see it, I imagine, would have been, oh, my God, shocked because this is something they've never seen on a, on a big screen. But equally, they would have gone, that's my life. Or, yeah. That's that's Mavis's life or that's whatever you know and again it's just it's all it, it's all the whole thing about the oncoming onset of like counterculture revolution and the changing like laws and everything of the 60s you know the socialism coming in with the with the labor government everything that coalesced in the 60s that changed Britain to what it is now was beginning with things like this this is a slice of history but it's part of the of the move away from the the buttoned up repression of post war 50s 40s 50s everyone had their place to the 60s where free love sex music rock and roll and then vietnam and all these things that went on mm. politically started to change everything and the, this it's was a, the very beginning of it it's the before isn't it if yeah 
like it's before all the big the civil rights movements and the sexual revolution and the it's like it's in the what, middle it is and I think if this had been an American film you could have said it's almost before the American dream died because it was before yeah. Kennedy got assassinated it was before the Vietnam War and it was kind of like the glory days of America like the whole Mad Men kind of era Mm, mm. But it would have been, I think it would have been far too glossy. I'd, you never get the yeah. sense that this kind of thing was happening in America at that time because films don't show it. This, I think this had to be made in this country and it had to be set in this country. Yeah. Because when I think about the 50s in America, I do think of the whole Mad Men, the kind of style of dresses and that kind of thing and the hair. When I think about the 50s mm. in this country, I imagine my nan with her hair in rollers with an S over yeah. it, like yeah, Nora Batty. That mm. it, it's just it's a it's very it's for two countries that are so close together in culture and things during that time the culture was miles apart well i i think a major reason for that was the fact that even though america were in the war their war wasn't fought at home as was no. it, well in this film there's there's almost the way the film looks there are times when it almost feels like some of the streets haven't been properly cleaned up yet or are slightly bombed out still. And yeah. There's that, so there's that feeling that could have of happened the, though, couldn't it? You think well, about yeah. it, like that, that well could have been the case. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said they didn't fight their war at home. We were, I mean, we were bombed to fucking fuck, weren't we? Like, yeah, I think Liverpool yeah. was one of the most bombed places outside of London, and yeah. It was very much... I mean, weren't, there were still rations going on when my dad was born in 53. We were still very much in that kind of post-war mm. mindset. I think that shaped our country now. I mean, that's a totally different topic. But like you said, America didn't have that. They welcomed their troops home as, as heroes. We had to rebuild yeah. our country. We had to like we had no food. There were people still starving in the streets. We were trying to build the NHS. So the countries yeah. went to two completely different revolutions. Yet yeah, America could focus on the civil rights exactly. movement and the sexual revolution. We were just trying to fucking build houses for people and take care yeah. of the the soldiers who come back with legs blown off and grieving for families who had lost everything. It was two completely different times. In the end, Jeff moves out. Joe ends up effectively on the verge of raising the baby on it on her own. So it ends bittersweet, but with that element of she's learned a few things along the way. In terms of, of the reception, A Taste of Honey did quite well. It won four BAFTA awards. Tony Richardson won Best British Screenplay with Sheila Delaney and the playwright who co-wrote the actual screenplay. And it won Best British Film in uh, 1962. Dora Bryan, who played Helen, won Best Actress, and Rita Tushingham, who was the first role, was named Most Promising Newcomer. And at the 1962 Cannes Film Festival, Tushingham and Murray Melvin, who played Geoffrey Ingham, were uh, Best Actress and Actor, respectively. And in America, it, Tushingham won a Golden Globe in 1963 for Most Promising Female, and uh, Richardson got a 1963 Directors Guild of America Award nomination. Wow. So, And they won a a Writers Guild of Britain award, so you know it was it was quite fated back in the day. But you know there are some there are some interesting people involved in it. I mean, Tony Richardson was the father of um, Jolie and Natasha Richardson, so he was married to Vanessa Redgrave. Um, so he was he was connected to a very sort of well-to-do acting dynasty because the Redgraves go back to the eight to the nineteenth century in mm. terms of acting. They go a long way back. They're like a royal acting dynasty in 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 England. So. It's interesting how he was very concerned with with this. And then you've also got like Robert Stevens who played Peter. He's the father of Toby Stevens, who was you know, we know from Dying of the Day and other things like that, with Maggie Smith. So he was he was a well very well respected actor in his day. He was 
considered to be the next Olivier at one point, but he never quite became an, a massive household name, I don't think. So there's, there's quite a lot of people attached to this. And Dora Bryan, who um, died recently, she was like about 90-odd. She was a great actress. She was a great character actress from a lot of things. She used to play a lot of plum roles, but she was from Lancashire originally. But she was one of those great comic character actors who could also do dramatic. So it, it did very well, and it had a lot of... of it's ranked... 56th in the BFI Top 100 British Films list that was made in 1999. So it's it's in quite an illustrious lot of company. So it is one of those films that not everyone's heard of, but is, you know, important, I think. I agree. So what did Brookside say? Oh, I didn't even look. I couldn't find it. <laughs> it was, oh, no, we're sitting about Jimmy Corker. We're sitting there and he did a long, really weird speech about it. TV, watch your brain or something. I remember a lot of people talking about it. I think I was in still in high school when it finished. Um, yeah, that was it. I remember that. He did a massive speech ranting about the world and politics. And mm. then something blew up, I think. It was mental. <laughs> it was really yeah, bad. Yeah, this doesn't surprise me. Yes. Um, so if you want more social realism that goes off the deep end, that jumps the shark, look up Brookside. Because that's, uh, that's the other end of it. It is in no way representative of the people of my fine city. <laughs> the majority are warm and mm. funny and caring small minority will rob your purse yes small minority small tiny just luckily you know luckily you'll never meet emma so it's fine okay (laughs) you'll be (laughs) so funny comedy comedy (laughs) that's what that is so yeah that's that's been a taste of funny we uh we recommend you you check this out we enjoyed it it's a it's a really interesting film thank you stan for recommending this and we'll we'll be, we'll do another one of these. The next one will be with me, with Dan Taylor, the other co-host, the left arm of Black Hole Cinema. Uh, and we're going to be talking about a film. Um, I'm not going to tell you what film it is, but I loathed it. Yeah. So it should be fun. <laughs> so that will be coming soon. But thanks, Emma, for this. And I am back on Wednesday doing the usual Black Hole Cinema thing that we do with... Chris Ben. Ha 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 ha. That just means bad shit's gonna go down. Um, <laughs> the other Chris you like, yeah. The other Chris, my top two Chris's, Chris Ben and Chris Haig. And we will be reviewing Miss You Already and something else which I can't remember. Solace. <laughs> Solace. And I, if you want to listen to me talk about how traumatized I am because I'm going to watch Child's Play and yes. I bought it on Blu ray. Tune in because I will probably cry at some point. Excellent. If you've ever wanted to hear a girl and a Scouse girl cry, you angry Scouse girl, angry Scouse girl, it's a two for one. You you can't miss <laughs> it. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be next Wednesday. After that, yeah, we'll be picking another film. So we'll see you then. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.